Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Will. I have a great topic today. But first, I want to introduce my guest, Anson, writer, director, lately, streamer, which is awesome. Um, thanks for helping me out, Anson, coming along. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me and inviting me on this wonderful journey. Um, so the topic I wanted to talk to you specifically with you today is like starting projects and your process through projects and managing expectations through projects. Yes. Um, how, how did you come up with, how do you come up with ideas for projects? It really depends on which, uh, genre of creation we're talking about. Because I do work in a couple different things. I assume you're talking about film projects. Uh, sure. We you can do you can go down film or video game. Yeah, because like we we have I do film design. I do film design. I do filmmaking. I do game design. You know, I'm a musician. So all those ideas kind of come from different places at different times. Uh, with film, especially because that's more of a collaborative field. I get those ideas a lot when I'm talking to my collaborators about like just ideas. Like we really do just have really weird conversations about stuff, or maybe, maybe there's a point we want to get across, or maybe there's a person that we really just want to work with. And so it's like, Hmm, maybe I should write a script because I can just put this person in it. Like the, the projects, the ideas come from a million different places and they, they come motivated from different places too. Okay. Yeah. See, that's, that's actually really interesting. Cause I've, I have an actual process that I do for yeah. all, all my projects. Like I sit down and the first thing I do is ask, I, I, first thing I do is I sit down and ask like, what is this project even about? Like, what am I doing this project for? Work. I really, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I just, I don't start like that all the time, you know, sometimes mm. like if I can walk you through a project I'm doing for a game that we're doing, right? And me and uh, me and Britt are making this game. And so she's my A1 partner when it comes to game design. Like, I'm the idea, she's the visualization, and, like, we bounce back and forth really well. And so for this particular idea, we were just on a hike, and we had had a couple different games that we wanted to work on, projects that we wanted to start that didn't make it past the, you know, pre-production process. And so we were really trying to think, hmm... What is something that we can make at scale that only the two of us could make that we really wouldn't need a bunch of people for? And so we kind of started the idea from that point and it, it started to blossom from that conversation. And then all of a sudden I have a story and I have characters and then we start building from there. Yeah, see, yeah, that's interesting because when you talk about part of pre-production that you don't need people, I also, when I, when I, before I even start in pre-production, which I always... For for me, I always separate like the idea process different. It's like the before stage of pre production because you're not actually doing anything involving the project. Yeah, that uh, pre pre production. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. I see. The thing that gets me is when you're making a project, it's really important to think about the amount of time or resources that are going to be needed to complete it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. And I, I, that's a spot where a lot of people get caught up in where they go, I'm going to write a movie script and they don't re- you don't realize once you've started it, how much work that is like you, especially for one person not doing this on a salary, uh, yeah. 
you gotta you gotta set your limits a little bit shorter than you normally would. And even then, sometimes I have to set my limits shorter than that because you start writing a script and you're like, you start adding on things, and it's got you have, to have that discipline to be like, no, I I'm here to write this small yeah. thing. No, there's a that's a real issue actually. Like I have a couple of different writer friends, and uh, the process is called resource filmmaking, which is something that I found that I'm actually pretty good at. Which is I'm only I generally when I'm writing a, a short film, I think about very logically the people I have access to, the props I have access to, the skills that I have access to, and I can very much create a story around that. Whereas I have friends that really can't do that. They want to create. A, a giant massive story every single time and they can't even stop themselves from doing it sometimes you know yeah and i i think there's a real like this is this is one of the things that i've uh been trying to express to people who try to make projects that are too big for what they can handle is there if you write an email to a coworker, and if it's a 10 page email what's the real chances they're going to read that whole like even half that email <laughs> right yeah, yeah. like are, they're gonna get they're gonna get the first three sentences and go i'm not reading this i'll just have them call me or something there there's a there's a i feel like there's it's easier to make a big epic than it is to make something short and condensed that uh that is good because the shorter something gets you can't just fill it out with like here's why this happens, here's why this happens. You just have to leave things up to people's imagination because you don't have yeah. the time. Or you just have to be much more precious with the time you do have. Exactly. So once you've come up with an idea, where does pre-production start for you? Do you do an outline or do you immediately get working on the first draft of a thing? It depends on the scale because I'm like, I'm such a scatterbrain. I can't be working on like one thing at a time. I have to be working on like a bunch. Same. And so it's like <laughs> sometimes I'll have this script idea where like it's very much I had a conversation on a vacation with B about like the location that we were at because we were at a cabin. And I'm like, yo, I could write a murder mystery in a cabin. And so like I literally started writing that knowing that this is a project that's going to be more years down the line. And so like I'm just working on first draft just to get an idea out versus the bro series which is very much you know i sat down with my team and was like yo this is the idea for this series i want it to be a conversation in a car with two friends uh that can be comedic but can be really uh, about real life situations at the same time but also as a vehicle to promote music and so i literally sat down and was like that's what this is and then i wrote the first script showed them the first script and everything made sense and from there like, I just write the script in the same format, I find some songs, I add them to the script, and then, you know, the team is ready for it to go. Yeah, I, that's actually really great because I've, it, it, it sounds like, it sounds like what's really interesting is that you, um, you tailor your pre-production process to, like, the start of it, at least, to the content you're making like there's no point yeah there's no point in making an outline for something if the project is you know way down the line because because it's way down the line it's way down yeah that's brain power you don't need to use yet like (laughs) the creative part is what's happening right now so it's like yo just be creative yeah and 
one thing I really like about, like, I'll just say this. My favorite series, the favorite thing I've seen of yours is the bro series because I, because when I watch right. it, I know what it, I know what it is every time that I'm watching. Because mm-hmm. so, sometimes I'll watch other things or other shows or play a game and you're like, what is this game actually trying to do? Like, what are you, what are you wanting from me? And I know bro is, I'm going to sit down for five minutes and just laugh at the, sometimes just the pure chaos of, <laughs> of, of people's lives, yeah, which is so yeah, true. You get into, yeah, you get into cars with some friends and you're like, what do you, what is your life like compared to mine? You, you do so many crazy things. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. First of all. <laughs> Um, how often do you, do your projects make it all the way through pre-production? Huh, that's a good question. I like to believe that I probably get at least 70 to 80% of the things I set out to do, I see all the way through completely. And the other 20% is just because it's so down the line that I can't finish it yet, kind of, you know yeah so how- i do make a point to try to finish everything that we set out to do you always you can't always do it and so there are some scripts that i wrote that i had in mind for some friends that just we never found the time to put those things together uh but the cool thing about that is if the script idea is strong enough then even later on down the line i might just pull it out and we might just do it yeah i yeah, I mean, that's great, because I, I feel like, for me, because it sounds like you have um, people, like, you know, people around you that you can work with on, a, like, you can contact people and work with them on a somewhat regular or irregular basis, as someone who lives far away from all my all my friends. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of the projects are done on my own. So I start a lot of projects and they just have to get put, they just have to get put somewhere else. I would say for me, like 40% of my projects actually make it through pre-production. But that's, and that's, and that's because. I still pretty good. Yeah. I, because I have, I had to learn that I only have 24 hours in a day. I can't, I can't ask people to do certain things specifically when it comes because a lot of the content that i do is um has to be prepared by the person hosting it right yeah like, it's it's D related it's podcasting i have to do the preparation because if somebody does the preparation for me i won't know it as well as i need to know it for the actual event so, yeah true facts you can't you can't be a dungeon master of somebody else's adventure yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's not possible. So, for me, because I know a lot of people have the problem of, um, you start a project, and then within, like, three weeks, you get burnt out, or, um, you get 90% of the way through writing something, and then you get to the point, and you're still like, is this even good anymore? Like, is this thing actually, um, would people actually want to see this? Because I get that sometimes, where I'll be... 90% through a script, and I'm like, is this even, like, like good? That, that imposter syndrome situation. Yeah. And I, I, I try really hard to just bludgeon through that voice, man. Yeah. I, and, and that's, I, I know it could be really hard, but, like, at a certain point, I had to tell myself, yo, even if this 
absolutely sucked. Am I enjoying this? And like, and so like, if I approach things from a, do I like this a little bit? Then I find at least somebody else will like it. And if one person likes a thing that I did, that's that's enough people. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, yeah, I, I feel like that. Yeah, that's perfect. Is like I, as long as one other person watches the thing, it's like, oh, that was that was cool. I'm like, great. We got. I got one person. You want to know one of the reasons why I started to feel this way? I have a lot of really talented friends, actually, who are like dope artists or dope, you know, musicians and or even dope like filmmakers. I even know. And sometimes they don't finish because they're too worried about that quality. And like because a lot of people just can't see outside of themselves to see how good they really are. And so it's like, no, if you if you stop worrying about it and you just do it, then the world will tell you like, yo, no, keep doing it. Yeah. It, one of the things that I've learned is when once you get your that voice being like this, this isn't any good or um, and you start requesting projects. The thing I do is I go. I just need to finish it. Like once I finish it, I put it out there, then it doesn't matter if it's good or not, because I always feel that like you're you, you don't get better every single day you have dips and valleys so it's like this my this project might be worse than my last but that's okay because i can still learn something through this project exactly. and then the project after that might be the best one you ever did and so like yeah keep going i like that though like you said peaks and valleys for sure yeah i i, I definitely feel that day because that that way because Especially, I mean, obviously you've played D&D and DM'd as a dungeon master. There are days where you nail it and there's days and, you know, next week you might have a down day, but it's just peaks and valleys and you just hope that the peaks and valleys are going upward. So this year's valley was 10 years ago's peak. You know what I mean? That's what you're, yeah. that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, I like that. And actually, I've never DM'd before. Oh, you haven't? I never have gotten that opportunity. I really want to. <laughs> it is it is so fun. What I do, uh, what I'm what I'm hoping to do for um, my content soon is I want to take people who want to DM, and I want to do like a co DM one shot with them, where I basically hand them all the narrative stuff and all of the story pacing, and I'll take care of the mechanics. So there'll be two DMs, and I'll sit there and just be. Just guide people through the process. Because once you so do it once... Computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get to be the computer. And you give the fun part of the DM job to somebody else. Yeah, well, which is which is crazy because a lot of people find the role-playing and stuff to be the super fun part of DMing. I enjoy... Um, I enjoy all the, the, the tiny things that come with DMing, like creating magic items and the math behind Dungeons & Dragons. Because in D&D, there is, I can show you spreadsheets of stuff that <laughs> I've made for Dungeons and Dragons, because I'm, I'm a numbers nerd. I, I love that <laughs> I can stuff. show you spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, I got, I've got so much stuff, but. Please get that on a shirt. <laughs> like what D&D, the... I can show you spreadsheets. <laughs> God, my, my friends make fun of me all the time about, um, about, I, uh, quick side and tangent but when i do 
when in D and D there's a book and it has all like the economy of like what candles cost and what a sword costs and all that stuff. I have done, I've I have over fifty resources of of academic papers talking about economics in the twelfth century, and I have converted twelfth century economics into D and D items, so I can give you the actual like twelfth century what a candle would have cost, and then converted <laughs> that into D and D gold, and I have a whole spreadsheet with an algorithm that I wrote. Oh my I, god! Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> people complain people because people started complaining why is it when i stay you know when i buy a sword it's 12 gold but wh- why is an apple three gold like that like an apple should not be a fourth of the cost of a sword that's, that's ridiculous exactly and so i was like fine i'll fix this pro- i'll be the one person in the world who fixes this problem and goes through all the work and makes a whole economy but that's ridiculous <laughs> Some heroes don't wear capes. They just wear spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, God. I need to make that into a shirt. Um, so another huge part about pre-production is hiring, casting, scheduling. That kind of, that kind of yeah. thing. I, I put hiring in, but it's mostly just casting. Um, so starting I mean, with... I've dealt with some situations where there was some hiring, for sure. Uh, how did that go? Was it like... Was it just like a normal interview process for you, or? Well, I wasn't the one doing the hiring per se. Uh, I just like I was. I've been a part of projects where, so let's. Uh, I'm coming out with a trilogy of short films that we are working on with this other production team mm-hmm. of filmmakers that we've worked with before. So they hired us to do something with them before, and they're friends of ours as well. And so it's just like you know, good business, yeah. but also good friendship. But so for this project, we are the production team, but they are still like the main producers. And so they have hired other actors for us or they hired the sound people. They are the ones that were in charge of getting the location. And, you know, that alleviates a lot of stress for us as just like directors and assistant directors so that we can just come in and shoot and edit and do all that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's great because. So I was a part of our casting process, though, like. Oh, okay. The main casting director, she was on, we used Breakdown Express for this project. And so uh, after she put out the the feeler for the project and people started sending in their self-tapes, she sent me the ones that she was like, hey, I like these people. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, no, I like her and I like her. And then, you know, she dealt with all the interviews and all the actual casting, but I did have a say in who we were looking at. And Yeah, and I feel like, especially when you get later into projects for like when you get into bigger projects that communication between um because the obviously the casting director and the actual directors need to be on the same page of what they're looking for yeah so you know what you know what kind of feel you're going for in the scenes um but i wanted to ask you because i know uh you're like me and you enjoy um the leadership and getting people together kind of role. Like the whole reason why I play D and D is because I'm one of the few people in my friend group who can out of nowhere, get eight people together on any given night. It's um, a gift. right? Yeah. Like, like whenever no, somebody no, wants something done, they come to me. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yo, I'm just going to keep on bugging everybody until I get this done. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any, 
sort of methods or techniques that you use to compel people to want to work on projects with you? Like, how, from your perspective, what makes people want to work with you? Ooh, this is a this is a deep question. And it's like, a, oh, how how much do you want to like be a narcissist right now? You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I had to think about it honestly, though, I think the thing that makes people want to work with us is just the honesty and the energy. Yeah. So like, I don't I don't ever BS anybody that I work with. When I work with the talented mm-hmm. people that I work with, I'm like, yo, that was a great take, or there was just great energy on set. And so after you are on set with people and you just have a really good time with them. And then you see the end product and you're like, oh, they really they really try with this. I think people can see the effort that we put in. And so the energy is always just pure. The love that we give and we receive in return is always just pure. And so I really think that it's that aspect of it more than anything else. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, is when people can see that you're excited about something and that you've put the work in. Like, when, when people show up to D&D, they know I've put at least five hours of work just only into writing the session. And I've been working on, and they know I've been, like, they know that I care about the, the product, which gives them energy to want to, you know, come and play. And actually, and it for, for them, they're playing D&D, and it's a little bit of work because they have to, you know, they have to role play for the camera, per se. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because, you know, it, it's partly a perform like if you're playing D&D at home, you can always just go on Tandage and mess around. But I'm trying to make a narrative, a narrative product and a narrative game. And yeah, on your podcast, so, you know, yeah, it's it's the thing I work on most of the time. So uh, I think I think when people actually can see you putting in the work, like people can come in, random people can come into my discord and see me in, I have a section of the Discord called the writing room. I'm always in there. Because I'm in there if I'm working on the podcast, working on the world, writing this show. And I've gotten people, random people that just ran, that joined my Discord. I like played with them once on some like weird game, uh, some weird multiplayer game. And they're like, I've had people actually come into the writing room and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm writing D&D. And they're like, uh, to, you know, I explain it's all the podcast. And they're just like. By the time I get, because I'm always so excited about it, by the time I get done, they're like, can I come and play? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I would love to, but I already have like 12 players. <laughs> and that's, not, that's real though, man. You're right. Yeah. That excitement that you have would definitely like make me want to join too. <laughs> well, and, and the great thing is, is right now I'm working on a project so that I, I can run a D&D game that can hold up to like 30 people. That's and I'm, ridiculous. Yeah. And I've been working How on it. That? How does that I, work? I, so <laughs> that is a, I, I can fully at some point explain this to you, but it's, it's, uh, for anybody listening, it is, if you want to Google a West Marches game, essentially TLDR is West Marches game is Anson, you and 29 other adventures are essentially in a tavern and you, there's a map on the table. Right. And you say, hey, I want to go to this dungeon or I want to go to this uh, wilderness, this spot in the wilderness. And then you ask your friends that are playing, hey, I want you and you and you to come with me. And then you basically tell me the DM where you want to go. And then because I already have the map laid out. 
And okay. so you so you would go on an adventure with your little part with your own party that you made, do the adventure, come back, and then the party would split up into individuals again. So you can pick and choose which teammates you want to so if you're like, hey, I'm going to um this temple, I need a rogue because I want to look for hidden like I need someone to protect us against traps. And so you go, hey, right, right. Lisa. I need a rogue. And then Lisa goes, well, me and Steve has something we wanted to do on the way. So why don't we bring Steve with us? Boom. We got a party of three and you just point on the map and say, Hey, will, uh, we want to go here and then I'll prep the content that day if I need to. And so, yeah, that's massive, man. And it allows people to play on their own schedules. Cause it's hard sometimes to get all these people to, uh, together at, at the same time each week. So it allows you as Anson to be like, hey, I only want to play once a month. And, you know, I get once a month, get my D&D kick in. Well, other people will be like, hey, I want to play once a week. And then you get to play. And it's not just like you're in a party with four friends. You get to play with, because I have a large friend group. <laughs> um, you get to play with all your friends at different times. And then you hear about what they did. And then you hear that, like, a group went to a dungeon but they couldn't get past the secret door. Then you, you know, you and you go, hey, Brit, I heard this hey, group. We get a secret door to plow it down, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, Brit, this group couldn't get through the secret door. There's got to be some awesome treasure behind there. Why don't we go and do it, and come back with the awesome treasure for ourselves? And so it adds exactly. like this little competition element too. Like, hey, bartender, get me another ale. I gotta <laughs> show off this brand new metallic sword I got from this <laughs> secret that some people couldn't figure out how to do. Yeah. And, and one of the cool parts about the game is, is you can drop character hooks and story hooks into other, you can give them, I can give a story hook to you. And so that when you end up teaming up with Sam in through role playing, you talk about the story hook in your backstory that could actually connects to him. Like you talk about, oh, I met this like blacksmith or whatever, and the blacksmith could like be his brother. So it just allows you to weave stories through the players, and the players get to pick when they want to play. And it doesn't just become everyone's just showing up to D and D every week just to play D and D. People are like, I want to actually go and do this thing, and they get motivated. That's, which is yeah, that's clever. Yeah, which is the part about getting people to like you know work with you is like. You have to show people that you're motivated, like you in pre, like specifically in pre-production before you even start the production day. You know, you got to show up early, show people like be energetic, like it's a fun. Like you're honestly doing something really fun, right? Like being on set is an energy that you don't get anywhere else, right? Absolutely, we have so much fun when we're on set, like. Yeah, I've become a big kid when I'm on set, and I'm sure people can yeah. get that sense from me. But at the same time, we also dial in pretty fast, and so like the combination of oh, we're serious and professional and getting it done, but at the same time, we could be loose and have fun and be jokey, and you know, I think that's the energy on our sets that make people come back. It's one of the things about, um, it's the one thing about actually loving the craft that you do like like i used to i used to be a logistics manager uh for marble and granite companies and when i would meet with the there'd be like dudes in their late 20s early 30s with like master's degrees in accounting when they would fly from houston texas up to seattle to come meet with our regional manager 
they would, you could see the happiness on their face when they were talking to the regional manager because they had this joy about talking about finances. <clears throat> and once you have that on set, like you, you, you think of most like financial boardrooms you go by, just people looking at PowerPoints. They're in there laughing, having a good time. And then, you know, a topic hits and they just go to town on it. Like they just dial into the point. I like that term dialing in because <clears throat> everybody, there's a point where everybody focuses up and then it just becomes like this beautiful, um, it just becomes like this beautiful thing where it's like everybody's putting in their maximum effort, work's getting done, and there's nothing better than that. Absolutely nothing better than that. Um, so, we'll, since we're talking about production, we'll formally move us into production. So, after everything has been prepped in pre-production, the production days here, do you have a procedure for that day or the cycle of days to come? Is there, like, a meeting before you hit the actual record button? Definitely. Definitely. The first thing you want to do on a production day is, like, and we've been doing more, uh, not pre-production. We've been doing more rehearsal days, too. So we'll do a rehearsal day, and on that rehearsal day, we'll actually do a lot of our planning. The actors will be going through the script. They will get our blocking done. And so then when it's actual production day a lot of it we already know what we're going to do we just don't know the order we're going to do it and that's the first conversation it's like okay we want to start with this conversation here or we want to start with this scene here and then we're going to move to this scene and this scene you want to definitely keep your uh staff abreast of like everything that you want to do but at the same time you don't want to lay out the whole day at the always so like me and maybe me and b will like know okay we're going to shoot scene three then scene two then scene one but everybody on set just needs to know right now we're about to shoot scene three and then we just go ahead and get that done yeah i <clears throat> and it's the thing of giving <clears throat> oh god my throat anything is, right? water? yeah I've, I've been trying to chug this water uh anything of giving people the information they need right now rather than like because there are people out there that do get sensory overload. They're like, oh god, I I have seen three, then I have seen two, then I have seen one. So I gotta remember scenes three, and, I, and then I want to look at two. It's like, no, 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 just focus. Scene three. That's all you need to do. Like, yeah. Scene scene like, two doesn't matter. Thing about knowing yeah. it from the actor's perspective versus knowing it from the uh, camera perspective or behind the camera perspective. And I can speak to to be on this because she directs more than I do that she's really an actor's director, which is just understanding the actor's perspective and making sure that you give them just exactly what they need to produce. Yeah. There's a lot of information that a lot of different people need, but you don't need to give everybody everything. And that's a real, uh, the finesse of that craft is important. Yeah. I, in what's really, what's really funny when you bring up, um, Brit and directing, I, I, I have found um, when you give somebody something in a project that you go, here's this thing, I need it done, you do it, you do it however you think you should do this, I'm going to go do something else. Because then they, especially during production days where it's like, hey, I need you, I'm like, I'll be like, hey, Zach, I need you to do audio tests for me. I don't, I got, I got to still, I got something else I'm prepping real quick. He'll go and do it, and he they almost feel like they have an ownership of the thing. 
Like, if you tell one actor in an acting room being like, hey, could you, like, get everybody? Like, you want to try to, like, I, what I found is you want to try to instill little pockets of leadership in other people. So they have, like, this own, like, they have this own, like, I own this thing of the project. Because I have another theory that I've been thinking about for a long time that um, in every project, like, that you work on. Everybody should have equity in that project. But if you know what, you know what that means, like equity in. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. So what I, I had a thought that was, how do I get people to care about uh, something that is fully just from my brain? Like if they weren't part of the pre-production process, I want to give them little pieces to own in the project. And I want, you know, you want to give them credit and praise for those pieces that they own. So I'll be like, Hey, you're doing camera work. Um, it's your job to make sure we shoot everything the way that it's shot. Um, cause I'm a big audio guy. So one of the first jobs I had was doing audio for concerts and stuff like that. And I legitimately got told like, Oh my, like my fifth day, uh, they were the, all the managers were gone except for this one girl. And she was like, um, and that she ran the whole art studio and she wasn't even connected to the company. And she goes, she walks up to me and she goes, um, you're now the new sound and light director. It's like my fifth day for this project. And I go, all right. And then, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you, you get to business, man. Nice promotion. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm, I always remember back to that project because when when I saw the girls do their performances and the sound went well and the lighting went well, you feel like you, you feel like it's not only their performance that people liked, you owned part of their performance. And the girls the great thing about those girls that they were intelligent enough and they were they realized their surroundings enough to realize that I am part of their success. And no, they exactly. and, That's yeah. empowerment, you know? Yeah. And it's all about, and it's all about just doing, doing great stuff. But, um, I guess another question is during the production process, especially on the days of physically recording, how do you stay focused and on track and finish what needs to get finished? Cause you know, there's a lot of eccentric personalities when it comes to the creative stuff and there's, and a lot of the people are my friends. So you typically spend the first 30 minutes hanging out. You know, after everything is done shooting, you spend the next, you know, hour hanging out. At some point, you all go get food together. You have talk. How do you keep how do you keep a pace that allows you to actually get stuff done and it doesn't just become hanging out? Well, I mean, that's uh, the short answer is professionalism. <laughs> but the, the more the more long answer, because like, yeah, I work on sets with friends and you're definitely right. People are eccentric. But I think, I don't think there's ever anyone on a set that's more eccentric than me. So I think <laughs> being, being the weirdest wallflower is the easiest way to wrangle in the wallflowers when it's time to, to get the work done. <laughs> and so yeah. it's definitely that. But there's also, as much as, as much as I love hanging out with my friends, I, I've really fallen in love with the craft, no matter which part of the craft I'm doing that day, whether it's an acting day for me or a, you know, a directing day, or I'm just a producer on the set that day. I really enjoy the activity of 
filmmaking and the creation of film. And so as much as I'm gonna have fun talking to this person who I haven't seen in a while for the first half an hour when we get on set and we're still waiting for the sound guy to get there. <laughs> we're still waiting for, you know, the makeup person to get there. And, you know, we're checking out the snacks and catching up. <laughs> At a certain point, we're just as excited to like, yo, let's act aside from each other. Let's, oh, yeah. you're a amazing scene partner. We're about to have fun. Let's do this fun thing. And yeah, as long as you keep the fun, then yeah, you, you can stay focused if you <laughs> really want to finish the project, which is, I always want to finish the things I do. I always see, I can always see it happening as we're making it. I think that's a bigger part of it too. And so like you shoot this scene and you're getting excited thinking about, oh man, I can't wait to edit this one together with this one. And then you see a take that this person does and you're like, oh, that she just nailed that take. Like, oh, I'm ready to edit this right now. <laughs> keeping keeping the ball, keeping the, uh, the carrot on the stick, I guess, in mind, keeping that end goal in mind. It, I don't, I don't know if you'd agree with this. I find production day, because like what you said, like you just get so excited for post. And stuff. I find production day to be the easiest of the days, in terms of, in terms yeah. of, in terms of like motivation in actually doing things. I I think production is the easiest part of the job. I, I agree with the motivation one. Yeah, I'm very motivated for production day. Sometimes I'm not as motivated for post. It depends. <laughs> yeah, well, for me, post is the hardest because some because doing D and D, we record a four hour podcast, and I try to cut that thing down to like an hour and a half. So I got a lot of content to go through. Oh, yes, yeah, that's, that's nuts. Yeah, um, and so I po- post is the day that I struggle with the most, but production day, I what we talked about earlier in a little bit of like the leadership stuff is, um. I, I just enjoy the pro- the process of getting people together, no matter what it is. If we're going to come out, play board games, play video games, we're doing, um, you know, writing a script, getting a writing room together, whatever it is. I like getting, for me, the most fun is getting people together and having everyone just having the common goal and just playing and just working on it as a team. That's what I just, that's the stuff that I just love. Um, I, I vibe with that man. I do. I definitely do. From one of the things you said, it's always the sound guys who are late. You, <laughs> I've noticed this. <laughs> as as someone who used to do sound professionally, um, it's always the sound people who are late. I don't know why. They have less equipment than the video people usually, and f- in my perspective, sound is is not. Um, is not as hard, but that just might be because I've worked with it a bunch. But sound is uh, sound guys are always just late. They're late <laughs> after lunch. We were always late. Like we were just we could just show up late to whenever we wanted. Um, but one of the tricks that I I've been using to uh, make sure that I get everything I wanted recorded done that day is if I want to set to record at. Um, We'll say for we'll say we're ever, we're gonna record at four p.m. Um, I actually set the time like all right, guys, we're gonna record at three thirty because I know people are gonna start showing up at like three fifteen, and then we're gonna talk for forty minutes, and and then so yeah, by the t- your time yeah yeah you got to put it into your schedule that your your friends you are gonna be working with your friends they. <laughs> You you know you know you and your friend group. There's no point in like trying to like lie that we're all like these perfect professionals. 
You just gotta you just gotta put it into the schedule that you're. Gonna oh yeah, no, no, that makes total sense. And and like, so I tell you, like, it's always about different scales because this one project that we're working on, this uh, trilogy series with the other production company, that's the one that's a lot more seeming like a professional set, as in. Uh, we have call times and everything like that. And so, like, if the call time is 9 o'clock, 9 a.m., I know that I'm going to be there at 8 because mm. I know that the producers are going to be there at 8. And I know that the actors and the sound people, I'm expecting all of them to be there at 9 at the call time. And so that'll be much more of a professionally done set, whereas we shot something with one of our homegirls, and it's just like, yeah, we're going to pull up at 4 <laughs> And then, you know, maybe we'll have an hour conversation before we even start filming. It'll be a lot more lax and low key. Yeah. And so it kind of, it depends on what you're doing. Yeah. And, and obviously there's, I, I, I find that there's, there's, there's a fun in both. Like there's a fun in like the showing, like the more structured, like the more money a show gets and the more structured that the call times become and when people have to show up. There's like a fun in that because once you have like official call times and there's funding behind it, there's like this weird hidden energy behind everybody. Like it's everyone's like, like real, bro. You're like, yeah, yeah we do this. We yeah, and, and we getting paid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we do this. And we getting paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, I yeah, I really. I'm I'm I I grew I grew up in a military family, so uh, I've always heard. Just how I've had to live my life is if you're not 30 minutes early, then you're late. So that's how I try to show up to things. Yes, so, that's me too. That's yeah. me too. So finally, we'll get to post, which I feel is where, for me in particular, is where most of the stress happens. But I feel post, from what I've learned about post, is that it has... There's the most potential there, and what I mean by that is you can take a below average footage and you can make it into something good. Like I've, I, I've seen people talk about post as like, you know, um, I guess this is kind of a hot topic to some people, but when people talk about star Wars, specifically the prequels, they're like, they talk about the people who hate the, the prequels talk about like, yeah, there was nothing that the editors could have done. They're like, the production was bad or the pre-production for the scripting was bad or whatever. I feel like a lot of things can be fixed in post. Like, I feel like post is post. The reason it's stressful to me is because you can, you can take something bad and make something in post average. Like post has that ability to like be a full force multiplier on your project. Yeah. Post is where you can really craft everything. Mm Mm-hmm. As much as, like, being on set is where the magic happens, and as much as pre-production is where, like, the idea really sparks, post is where you actually create the thing. Yeah. And I think that uh, the nature of what you do, it probably paints your post experience more than actual post-production. Because I'll tell you, my experience is that I love post-production in filmmaking, just because even though the concept is still the same, where we shot four hours of footage, and now I'm about to cut it down to the five minute video at the same time within those four hours like we shot four takes of this thing and five takes of this thing so i'm just making decisions at the same time trying to craft the actual narrative and sometimes you change stuff from the script based on like 
oh, this was a, a nice improv that happened. Or like maybe the way that this actor breathed here when I was saying this totally different thing works if I cut the audio out and put it over as a reaction mm -hmm. to what I'm saying now. And so like, you really can change, you can make things happen that didn't actually happen. Yeah. And the story more in post. Oh yeah. When, when we play um, for, cause the, when, when I do post for D and D, one of the things is sometimes players will say things um and do things that aren't in line with my my world that I've created. Mind you, I've been making this world since 2013. So, this world has has a lot to it. And sometimes what? Yeah, it has yeah, my world has certain rules that aren't part like if you just picked up the, you can't pick up the core D&D book, the 5e player hands guide and put it in my world cuz half that stuff doesn't work. Like and so players will, like, specifically new players, they'll come in, do things, and what I'll have to do is I'll have to, like, cut it or move something else to be like, someone will be like, oh, I used this spell to do this damage. And I'm like, all right, I have to tell them afterwards that, you know, I have, because I have to remember not everyone has played in my world for four years. Um, <laughs> I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go and tell them, like, we can't use these spells because in my world of this reason, but, and so I have to, like, be like they did damage so i have to figure out a way to like like move different parts your world's rules right yeah and i have to like cut things and craft a narrative because what most the thing that i like to try to create things that are I, I i'd like to think i try to create things that are unique and not in the current world of creation so most people's D&D, when they record, they record it and they just throw it online. No editing. What I do is I cut a bunch of stuff out and I add music. I add sound effects. Um, I do intros and outros for um, like essentially like the like what happened last time. And I do transitions. So I will sometimes put couple, uh, two sessions and then be like, here's group one, here's group two. And I'll transition between them. And because I want to craft them, I want to show that D&D can be a more narrative game than just we sit down and play. Like, you can make a story out of D&D that's, um, that can rival almost like radio dramas. No, they can, definitely can. Definitely yeah. can. And I, and that, and it's the hard part about editing that I find is sometimes for me, it's hard to motivate myself. Like, to the hard part for me is sitting down once i've sat down and spent two minutes editing i will edit for hours but the hard part is actually getting in the chair for me and pulling it up and editing because i have access to my computer my computer's got a lot of stuff on it that i love to do so i just start clicking around and then i never actually get to editing and that's the hard breaking <laughs> point for editing for me is to actually you know get into the post-production I find that the best way to do that is to give myself deadlines. And so if I decide, and especially if I do it publicly, I don't think I've ever told people this, but sometimes when I tell the world or I tell Instagram, hey, yo, I'm dropping this thing on Friday. Yeah, it's I'm gotta get done. That so that I'm like, damn it, now I gotta make this thing before Friday. Yeah. And even though there's no consequence of, like, no actual, like, physical or 
of consequence of not dropping it by Friday. It just, it, it, it's that thing where, like, it triggers it in your mind, like, damn, this thing's got to get there done. There is a consequence, though, bro. That's my integrity. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's true that it... That's how your brain and your mind yeah. works. If you keep saying stuff and you don't mean what you say, even your brain will be able to tell you, bro, I don't yeah. believe it. Yeah. But if you follow through, mm-hmm. then that's how you gain confidence. That's how come yeah. I can confidently get people to come to these projects because yeah. I've you know, giving myself these deadlines and I know exactly what it is I can do. So I speak with that conviction. That's like, yo, if you come to this set, we're going to get it done. Yeah. And I, I think, I think people enjoy, they, they, I think people enjoy and can see when it's like, once you get a reputation for being able to get stuff done, regardless of what, like what it is or what line of work you work in, not even entertainment, people, people know, like, like if, like what we were saying earlier, like if someone needs, like someone has a birthday party coming up and they're like, hey, I want to get all of our friends together on Discord. People, ev- n- without a doubt. They're going to be like, yo, get Will involved. He's going to yeah. get them. Dude, I, my friends literally have a saying, like, if we want to get people together, we have to get, we have to get Will. Because otherwise we won't all get together. And that, and. and away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all about, it's all about just like, and it's, it's all about like keeping your your promise and like you said integrity to the best of your ability obviously there's circumstances where it's like something came up i can't but yeah but it's it's all about it's all the real thing about entertainment is what people don't know is that it's it's all about it's all about being real and you don't have to bs anybody because a lot of times in entertainment you can get that from people is that people just bs and want to and they tell you things, and it's like it doesn't. I, I'm just 100 all the time. Like, yeah, and you can say no. You can tell when people aren't 100 though, either. Yeah, and there's there's a level of that in entertainment as well. That yeah. like people like to double talk or like to say things just to like sound good. Mm-hmm. And you can you can weed those people yeah. out pretty fast usually, or at least I can. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can usually tell, but you know it's such a big industry that some people get through. But it's like I'm. I'm one of those people like I'm just gonna tell you always how it is, regardless of what we're doing. But the I guess yeah, the the final thing I wanted to talk about is when you release content. Is there anything you do to get people is there anything you do or is there anything you're trying to do to get people to come and get to your content? Because People say all the time, you should make things that you enjoy making. And I 100% yeah. agree with that. But all, And they're like, you should make it whether or not anybody watches it. But I also make things for people to watch. Like, I want people, like... Yeah, you, want, you want an audience. Yeah, you want an Like, you can't, you can't not tell people it's like when you start doing something that you... You're like, oh, I just did it because I love it, which is true. But it's also like, I would love... To have people actually watch the content. And I would love if you love this too. Too, yeah. Yeah. Like, and even, I even want like, even if I release, you know, something, I want the people to be like, hey, this, I watched this thing and it really sucked and here's why from my perspective. <laughs> because I'm one of those people that's like, I don't care about criticism. Like, I, I can, you know, I'm a grown adult. Like I can handle criticism at any level. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like criticism doesn't bother me. I've been I've been criticized for a bunch of different things. Like, um, like you can I like even if people tell me like my stuff is trash, and but and they tell me why, that is useful information. That, yeah, tell me why you think it's trash. You know? Yeah, like it's also perspective. Yeah, and all, it, it's one of those things like. Like, was there a question? It sounded like it started oh. a question. Oh, well, I was going to, the question is, is there any, the question I was getting to was, is there any strategies or things that you try to do or wanting to do to like get your content to reach more people? Ah, okay. So there, uh, there are a couple of strategies that we have used and will continue to use. And there's a reason why, because it definitely works. The thing that, the first strategy that we used was to drop content in a season. And uh, so when we started Black Rose, you know, we got together, we got on a mountain, we shot our first video, we dropped it. It was fun. Everybody liked it. And we got a thirst to do more of it. And so we were like, let's do a season of content where we did five videos Mm -hmm. and we edited them all together or not together, but we edited them all and they then released them back to back to back to back. And so it kind of became this event where for the entire month of February, you're just getting blazed with promotion for like, yo, on Friday, here comes the next one. Yo, next Friday, here comes the next one. Yo, next Friday, here comes the next one. And that whole aspect of there's going to be another one coming, for whatever reason, it just it just sparks people. It, yeah. it just makes them interested, that consistency with it. And yeah. so sometimes when you finish something, you don't release it. And you sit on it for a while so that you can release it in a block of content. And that block creates an event that you can promote that creates traffic. Yeah, it's it. One thing that I've also noticed when you do things in chunks and you release things in chunks, um, it prevents burnout on that idea. Yeah, definitely. That too. Because because you go, hey, we're going to make we're going to be hyper focused on this thing for you know, two months and then we'll start releasing them back to back. But and then you're releasing them. You're not spending your time doing that thing. You could be doing something else. Yep. And then, so when you come back to season two of that thing, you're like, you're like, I'm so excited to finally get back to this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Cause like, you're like, well, these ideas were great, but right. now we're doing something else. Yeah. yeah let's that. That's really how I'm feeling about bros, man. Like, yeah. Like, we took a hiatus with the holiday season. Mm-hmm. I wrote a couple episodes that were meant to be filmed in November and December, mm-hmm. but life happens and holidays yeah. happen. And I was like, you know what? Take a quick break. But now I'm, like, really excited to get back to it in 2021. Like, I got mm-hmm. a bunch of my friends drop new songs that they've been sharing with me, and I'm like, yo, I need to put this in an episode of Bros. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I feel like I've... I've been I've been stockpiling content for a while and so that I can I have I think I have up to like because I had I, t- I had taken a break as well like a three month break where I did nothing but editing I have like tw- I have 20 I have what is it nine episodes of D&D backlogged edited fully edited and I have enough massive of a backlog Dude. I, so I have, I had, before the break, we had gotten to episode, I want to say 14. I have already recorded up to episode 46. We're about to end the campaign. 
and Gee. we're about to end the campaign. And I, so I have, I have literally a year's worth of content recorded for D and D. All I have to do is sit down and edit it. That's nuts, man. But like, that's working smart because once you finally start dropping these things, yeah. there won't be so much pressure on you to like edit because you have so many backlogs. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, man, I'm almost done. Yeah, and 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 it's great because I I now know because once I have. And I already have nine episodes done, and so that means I have, like, 20-something more. Once I get those edited, while they're dropping, I can start working on the next D&D thing. Or I can start or I can start working on the next project that'll take a big chunk of my time. Um, Like, th- th- this takes a relatively small amount of time because it's a podcast. I sit, record, edit some things out. Um, The post-production on this is a pretty quick turnaround. Like, the turnaround on this specific podcast is, like, an hour. So... That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. And, and I think that's something that people think about. If you're going to do multiple projects, think about the turnaround times on things. Because the thing that... Why I lost interest in D&D for a little while because the turnaround time was so long. And that's why I started this. was because then I could have something weekly. And then I could have that project that I work on so that I could drop it in a season. And so then you kind of double dip with the consistency of this being weekly. And the other thing being uh, a longer term project. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. And like, I kind of did the same thing with bros where like once an episode is written, it really takes about two hours in a day mm-hmm. to do it. Like it takes maybe an hour that we'll get together beforehand and practice it. But sometimes not even like mm-hmm. it really takes an hour to record the whole thing. Which is great. It's it's something actually doable hours so i can really turn it around in a whole day if i wanted to yeah and i i just feel like it's good to have those it's always good to have to check something out off the box too like that's the reason i love this podcast so much is that i can do it and check it's like because when because what i do is when i wake when i wake up i write things on a whiteboard and put little boxes and once i complete it i check it off and it, and it makes it so that i can see the progress of of my content physically on, on paper. But one of the strategies I was wanting to talk about, obviously is kind of what, um, I'm doing here. And I was wanting to let people know about is, uh, reach out to other people. Be like, if you got a podcast, reach out to someone and be like, Hey, uh, come on my show or in, you know, like maybe make an exchange and be like, Hey, I'll come on your show. You come on my show. You know, like, oh shit. yeah, for digital Sh- stuff like this, yeah, definitely that's the case. Yeah, it's like it's like for if you're doing things like um, like streaming, like we talk about Twitch streaming, um, link up with other yeah. streamers. Yeah, because well, yeah. you gotta let it, it's great when you let other audiences know about you. That's the thing you gotta you gotta let. People have to feel have to know your content's even there to actually start watching it. Like you don't randomly come across content most of the and time. We all gotta help each other get people to each other's content, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's another strategy about getting people to watch your stuff is just accessibility. Like, how easy is it to get to? Exactly. It's like you just got to make it because that's the thing you don't want. You don't want to make the content hard to actually find in. 
and you want to make it so that people can just hit click one button, get to your page, you know, look at all your videos. And yeah, I think it when one of the things is if you are specifically, this is way easier, obviously digital than it is what you're talking about, like physical shooting. Um, if you are into podcasting or streaming or any type of let's play thing, reach out to other people and be like, Hey, um, let's, let's set something up so that the people that know you can know about me and the people that know me can know about you. And cause a lot of people don't know is like a lot of things in, in any industry, uh, networking, it's huge as we've talked yeah. about leadership and cause it's hard to do it. You can't do the entertainment generally by yourself at all. Yeah. You can't do it by yourself. No matter what, it's going to mm-hmm. be a thing that you got to get other people involved in at some point, even if it's just the audience. Exactly. Yeah. That's why you got to network. You got to rub some elbows. <laughs> well, finally, I just want to say that um, content creation is a pretty involved uh, process, especially when it's only yourself. It can be pretty hard. Uh, but obviously want to let people know that if, if you're making the thing and you enjoy it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't know how you feel, Anson, that if you're making something that you enjoy, that you're just, it's honestly, you're the little, you're just the little kid in the candy shop all the time. So like for me, sometimes when I'm like recording D&D or prepping D&D, even sometimes when I'm editing, I just feel like a little kid just running around. Like I'm still that, I'm still a four year old deep, deep when I'm editing deep down inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The inner child definitely comes out when I'm editing something. I'm in that. I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm just I'm really excited about the idea of like other people seeing something. Mm. Like as I'm putting yeah. it together, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for someone to see this joke edited like this. <laughs> or like, yeah, yeah, like you. It's a fun process. So, regardless, I want to thank you, Anson, coming out talking with me. If Hell yeah. Any of any of you listening want to catch out Anson, what he's doing, I'll have all of his links is in the description, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, uh, Black Production. It'll all be down there. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Entertainment.